Welcome to episode uh, 135 of the FLW Podcast in Benton, Kentucky. I'm Jody White, joined by the uh, the one, the only, the inimitable Kyle Wood from Hopkins, Minnesota. Oh wow! Thank you. Such a such a great intro. Yeah, I, I uh, kind of I, I specialized it this week a little bit. Oh well, thanks, man. Thanks, yeah. Hammer. Um, well, you're welcome. It is a uh, pleasure to be back on with you. After a week away, catching well, trying to catch fish, only sometimes catching fish really all that successfully, and you know <laughs> it's good to uh, get to be back and uh, rolling again. I hear you. Um, let's see here. I guess the agenda for the week is I am going to talk with Brian Thrift shortly. Here have not completed that interview yet, but we will in the future. I'm sure it'll be lovely because it's Brian Thrift. He'll talk about stuff. Yeah, definitely. Um, as you may or may not know, he won the Walmart FLW Tour Invitational uh, two weeks ago on Lake Norman, hence why we're talking to him. Also, mm-hmm. he's cool, so another reason to talk to him. That's true. Um, then uh, you and I are going to talk a little bit about Lake Norman, uh, the Costa FLW Series event coming up on Fort Gibson, the tour rules, the Costa FLW Series rules. That are out now because it's uh, it's rule time. It's that it's that week. We've uh, busting them all out the door here. Um, we've got a, a college fishing event, some BFL events to go over, and I think that'll pretty much about do it. And who knows, we may even talk fishing at the end. I would say there's probably a good chance. All right, shall we uh, shall we get into this thing? Let's do it. All right. Well, in that case, here is Mr. Brian Thrift, and now we're joined by Brian Thrift. Uh, the winner of the Walmart Airflow Tour Invitational on Lake Norman. It was uh, Brian's ninth win with FLW. His, let's see, one, two, three, four, fifth FLW Tour win. Uh, Brian, uh, how you how you been? <laughs> I've been great. I've been great. I mean, nice to go into the off season with a little money in your pocket. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, not that you had a bad season but you had a you had a weird season um it certainly didn't start off very good and then you you know won the coast fw series down on uh, santee and of course sort of scrapped your way back into the cup and ended up you know in the top 10 of the cup where it seems like you always are and i, I mean how i guess your outlook on your season was it was it this a success or did it kind of fall short of what some of your expectations were yeah, no, I definitely call it a success. I mean, I try to gauge a successful season by making a living. You know, as long as I can pay the bills at the house, that's a successful season for me. And, yes, it started out rough. I mean, I'm I'm not going to say I wasn't a little concerned, you know, through the first couple of events. But, you know, we got it turned around and made a good little chunk of change this year and got two wins out of it. So it's definitely a very successful season. <laughs> That's I I like it. Yeah, you weren't in the usual like AOI running, but that was really about the only thing that your season didn't have, especially once you kind of capped it off with the tour win at home too. Um, right. Have you been qualified? Have you been pre-qualified for the cup before? Because winning at Norman, 
you know, you're now you've you've locked in your berth at the uh, Forestwood Cup next year. Yeah, actually, this is the third or fourth time I've been fortunate enough to do that. I did it a couple of times through the FLW series that we used to have, and then I did it um, two years ago through the Costa series. All right, yeah, that was that would have been at Wheeler, right? Where you you yeah, locked that it up was then. At, at Wheeler in the fall, yeah. All right, I I guess that being the case, then you probably it probably doesn't change your mentality too much going into a season. Whereas I feel like for some guys it would allow them to fish a lot freer, but it probably is about par for the course for you now. Um, I wouldn't call it par for the course because I still attack every season like I stated in the question earlier. I mean, my number one goal is to provide for my family. You know, that's why I do this. It's, I look at it like a job. It's a very fun job, but it's still a job, and I've got to make money. <laughs> that's, uh, that's for sure. Um, I guess on onto the subject of Norman, and we'll dig into that a little bit. I had the chance to go out and practice with you one of the days, or well, for about a half day, and sort of watch you at work. And I would have said coming after that that you were in really good shape. Um, how did you go into the tournament? I know you, I mean, I'm sure you expected to do well, but did you did you feel like based on your practice that you were going to be around the fish to win, or that you felt like you were going to put yourself in that position, or were you even? Maybe um, more confident than that, or less. What was your What was your stance? Um, my stance was kind of wishy washy because Norman Norman can be a thorn in my side. I can do really good or really bad. It's like there's no middle ground at Norman for me. And this year, I kind of tried to approach it in practice from like it was a new lake. I mean, I went and looked for a lot of new stuff and. I fished a lot of stuff I'd never fished before in the tournament and caught probably half the fish I weighed in off of stuff that's not in my normal rotation at Norman. I, I think that's the biggest thing that helped me there was just fishing with an open mind because I know how many fish live in Norman, and you can win the tournament anywhere on the lake. I mean, there's not one creek that's better than another or nothing like that. So I think that's one of the biggest advantages I had was just fishing with the thought that, you know, the next dock maybe the dock four or five pounder lives on. How about, you know, in the tournament itself, for people who, I'm sure most people have read it, and pretty soon they're going to have a really cool video to, to watch you uh, actually on the water after the tournament, kind of breaking it down. But in tournament, what was your what was your strategy? How did you catch most of your fish? Um, I caught most of my fish on a couple of topwater baits and a mamba jig and the Demiki anchovy shad. That was my really my three main setups. I mean, probably the ninety percent of the fish I weighed in came on a buzz bait or a mamba jig or the Demiki anchovy shad. And I think that's what helped me a lot was having the confidence that I could start out shallow with that buzz bait, the mamba jig, and run that for a couple of hours and hopefully get two or three good bites. But then knowing in the back of my at any time of the day, I could pull out offshore and catch a limit of two pounders on the anchovy shad to go with. That's that sort of double. I mean, you had a you had the two pronged attack there. I feel like a lot of guys did that to some extent at Norman, and it seemed like a lake where you really could do a whole lot of things. Do, do you feel, I guess, more confident on a lake like that when it sets up like that, or would you rather something you have to kind of 
grind away at you know one or two things all day long? I'm I'm kind of either way. I mean, I'm good doing either one. I mean, I, I love a good grinders tournament where I can put one or two baits in my hand all day and know I'm going to get five bites. And then I also love a, a lake like Lake Norman. I mean, there's very few places in the country like Norman where you can go and catch 30 to 50 fish a day on 20 different baits. I mean, it, it's just a fun lake to fish. I think that's why I'm so comfortable there is because you can pick up anything you want to pick up and catch fish on. It really did seem like that was the case where there were, I mean, it was very difficult for a guy, well, not very difficult, but almost everyone brought a limit in and maybe they weren't catching the three, the three pounders, but they were catching fish and that makes it for, that makes for a good tournament almost regardless. Exactly. And you can play the numbers game at Norman. I mean, the more fish you catch, the, the higher your likelihood of catching the big one is. Yeah, I think David Dudley was saying, and he, you know, he did well. He made the top twenty. He was, he was saying that he was catching like, I don't know, forty something fish a day in practice, and he just kept doing that through the tournament. And you know, he would catch a whole bunch of little ones, and then eventually he'd get one that would call, and then he'd do it again. And it sounds, I mean, that seems like a good way to fish. It, it is, and that's what makes Lake Norman so fun. Like I said earlier, I mean, it's not like a Tennessee River Lake where you get these giant schools of fish from three to five pounds it's it's just you run into little pods of them here and there where you catch two or three out of one off one dock or three or four off of one point and they they're not grouped up by size i mean you may throw on a dock and catch three 14 inches and then the next cast catch a five pounder so it there's always that element of surprise on like all righty well we're kind of we're rounding out into the into the off season, you know, for FLW, we're not quite there yet, but for you, I imagine we're getting closer. What's, uh, do you have any more tournaments on the docket this year? Is it just the, uh, coast FLW series championship left or what else are you fishing? Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I've got for the coast of championship as far as the travel tournament. I mean, I'll fish a lot of tournaments, local tournaments here around the house this fall and winter. And I mean, that's probably about it. I mean, that's the fun thing about the area I live in. I mean, there's a weekend tournament or two every single weekend on some lake somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. And people, I mean, you obviously, it seems like you do very, very well in those weekend tournaments, but the level of competition around you is really stiff, too. I mean, North Carolina and South Carolina, like, they crank out a lot of really good fishermen. Yeah, we we really do. I mean, we've got a lot of successful pros that come from this, you know, 50 square mile area surrounding Lake Norman, Lake Wiley. And it's, it's just a, I guess it's a good training ground. I mean, we pretty much have everything that a fisherman can learn on except for grass. And grass is pretty easy. So you can kind of figure that out as you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I've got to ask you on that because there are a lot of people who I would say stumble a lot when it comes to picking apart grass and they would rather fish. They don't, and they don't like it. So, grass is easy. Tell me about it. What's uh, what are what are your grass tips? Um, the biggest thing is just knowing you. There's somewhere in the area. Like you can pick one area of the lake, and if you devote your practice time to it, there's going to be fish in there somewhere, and they're going to be grouped up because grass fish they generally group up very well. I mean, you may find one hole in the grass and be able to catch 20 or 30 out of it 
and but it's it's more traditional fishing. It's not something you can idle around and find. It's, you got to put a rod in your hand and go fishing. All righty, I uh, <laughs> I like it. Do you feel like staying active and on the water so much in the off season? Does that is that a big part of your game plan for just continuing to do well and continuing to get better? Or do you feel like you could probably be just as good and fish a little less in the off season? It's just that you like to fish. Um, I think it's just that I like to fish. I mean, I, I love being out on the water. I mean, I can go and just like Norman or Wiley and if, say I want to learn a new technique or I'm, I just want to go catch fish on a jig or catch fish on a topwater, I'll just go there and I'll put one or two rods in the boat and throw them all day. And you just kind of you teach yourself things that you don't really know you're teaching yourself. Does that make any sense? <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I mean, you're, you're out there having fun and just playing around, but I think you get little subtle hints of what's going on that may not even register at the time. And then five or six years down the road, a scenario will come up out on tour, and you're like, "Oh yeah, that's happened one time before." <laughs> you know what to do. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I, I think that's a good way to put it because the more time, to me, time on the water is like probably one of the biggest differences between a pro and you know, me or just a regular guy who goes out and sometimes they, and sometimes we can have good days of fishing, but you guys, you spend so much time at it that you've seen every scenario, probably just as many, if not more times than, you know, than a regular person has. And I think, I mean, I think that's, I think that's key. It's not just talent. It's also, you've put the work in. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of it. I mean, it's like any other job. I mean, you get out of it what you put into it. And when it's a job that you're passionate about and you absolutely love, I mean, you're gonna you're gonna give it your all every time you go out there, you know. Alrighty, I guess you know, looking ahead to looking ahead to next year, why not? Have do you have uh, do you have any feelings on the tour schedule? Because to me, it looks like one that could set up really well for you. Because we're going to some new lakes, and there probably is going to be a lot of shallow fishing and I mean, you've had some great finishes out deep and offshore, but I feel like you are a kind of guy who does love to fish shallow. I, I do like to fish shallow, but if anymore, it's getting harder and harder for me to just go fish shallow all day. And I think that is just fishing pressure. I'm, and I, it's all in my head because I'm I'm the type of person, I don't like to fish obvious stuff. I like to find little off-the-wall deals that everybody else missed, just stuff that's not so obvious. So it's, it's hard for me to go fish a, a bridge column on Gunners or something like that or the most prominent point on the lake. It's hard for me to do that, and I think that's why I struggle a lot on river-type tournaments. Like like next year, we're going to the Potomac and lacrosse. And the Potomac's kind of always been a thorn in my side for that fact because I don't – I just – I don't like getting in there, but heads on the obvious stuff. It's got grass, though. You can figure grass out. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, that, I mean, that makes sense. And you definitely, I mean, if you look at a lot of your wins, uh, Ufala certainly is not a tournament that you've, you know, you've won and then finished second there. I mean, that's not a place that you fished obvious stuff by any means. And Norman, I feel like you probably didn't fish a whole lot of obvious stuff and there's definitely there's something to that where if you can put your time in and kind of find that offbeat stuff you're in you're in pretty good shape. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's not the type of places that you're going to pull up and catch a limit off of. But throughout the course of the event, if you've got 10 or 15 little off-the-wall, two or three cast places, over the course of the four days, if you catch one or two a day off of them, I mean, that's a huge bonus piece. Yeah, I mean, no doubt, because it's... In a tournament, it's not about catching necessarily a whole ton of fish. It's about catching five of the right ones. And right. most ter- most tournaments that aren't Norman, that's maybe more the pattern than anything else. Is you're not really looking for tons of bites. You're looking for those key bites. Right, right. You're looking for. You're kind of looking like when I start a practice, I'm I'm looking for two patterns. I'm looking for a limit pattern and a above average size fish pattern. And I think that's been one of the keys that have helped me the last, you know, seven or eight years on tour is doing that. I mean, once I figure out, you know, I'm confident that maybe I can catch five or something like that, I'll kind of quit doing that deal and try to focus on finding better quality, if that makes any sense. I I can understand that. So this, looking at your career, obviously your goal is to make a living, but... If you have any particular achievements left that you want, I would imagine one of them is to win the Forestwood Cup. Um, oh yeah, <laughs> and you're already qualified. Next year is uh, it's on Lake Murray, which is not too too far away. You've been in the top ten there before. Um, are you going to do anything special to try and prepare for that tournament? Now that you you know you're in it, or, or is it? Or are you going to prepare just the same way you would for any other cup? Yeah, I'll prepare for it just like I would any other cup. I mean, I'll go. I might try to go next summer, you know, before it goes off limits. Look around a day or two. Other than that, I mean, I'm, I treat it just like any other tournament. Okay, well, that seems to be a good way to a good way to treat it. I know, you know, when Gagliardi won there, you know, he caught a couple of fish off brush that he'd planted, and I don't know when he planted it, but there was, you know, there's that kind of stuff where. You, with that long lead-in, you could have the opportunity to try and give yourself an extra edge, but at the same time, your usual practice seems like plenty of edge. Yeah, that's and I kind of when I first started out fishing, that's what I'd do. I'd try to go and I mean, I never planted on my own brush piles or nothing, but I'd go spend a couple of days pre-practicing. But after a year or two, I kept noticing that I would always waste a day and a half of official practice checking stuff they were on a month before and it kind of it messed it would mess me up i mean i would, re- I would essentially waste a day and a half of practice looking on places they used to be or trying to fish how i caught them last time and then i finally finally registered you know things change i mean you got to figure out what they're doing now not what they were doing then all righty uh i guess my last question um you're going. We're, we are, you know, going in the off season like we talked about. Uh, besides fishing, which I know you're going to do plenty of, what else do you like to do in the off season, or what this year is going to occupy your time? Do you think? Um, I really don't know. I mean, I, I don't hunt a terrible amount. I mean, I might try to go hunting once or twice, but pretty much just fishing and spending time with the family. I mean, we just got moved into a new house late this summer, and I probably I still got a lot of work to do with that. <laughs> so I'll be piddling around like this morning. I'm out here picking up rocks in the yard trying to get some grass to grow. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Brian, you know, 
before before I let you go, is there any place you want people to follow you uh, online or heck anything you want? Uh, I mean, I don't know. It's it's kind of the off season. Maybe there's a seminar people you want people to show up to. Is there anything uh, you want to plug? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I'd love for everybody to get on Instagram, and Facebook, and follow me. Just kind of see what's going on this off season. I'll be doing a lot of stuff for Demeke and Sportsman's Warehouse. FLW in general, I mean, if you've got to, that's one of the huge things about the off season is that's your time to promote your sponsors. Hopefully I'll get some cool videos out this fall and just have some fun with stuff like that. That's what, I'm going to try to do some more of that this fall. Yeah. See if I can't get some FLW quality videos out there. <laughs> All righty. Well, uh, I like the sound of that, Brian. And, you know, congratulations on the win. As usual, thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah, thank you. All right, so Kyle, we are uh, we're back. We just finished off talking with Thrift, and obviously he won on Norman in the Invitational, and we had really a pretty cool. Uh, I-, I thought it was a pretty cool tournament to be down there. You know, no- having no co-anglers, marshals all over the place. We pretty much we were able to really keep. I, I would say pretty good track of everything that was going on. Um, oh yeah, you know. Are my weight estimates that I ended up with at the end of the day every day were kind of strikingly good most of the time. <laughs> um, although I did sort of not really, I kind of stopped relying on like what Brian Thrift said he caught. Although he was actually probably more honest in this one than usual. Yeah. Not that Brian Thrift is necessarily dishonest by trait. He just tends to report his weight wrong. Um, yes, that is true. And like intentionally report it wrong. Yeah. Although I'm going to be honest, when I, the last tournament I fished, I found myself doing that, uh, because you say what you have and then, and you know what you have, you weight them all. And then in your head, you round down with every fish. And so all of a sudden (laughs) I've produced a weight that is like two pounds less than what I have. And I could you know if I sat and down and wrote it all down and did the math, I would get the actual number. But I'm like, well, that one's about two and a half. That one's about three and a quarter. And there you go. You know. Yeah. So I'm I'm willing to cut them a little more slack. And you know we kind of we adjust for it. Yeah, we know. Uh, anyhow, one of the favorite one of my favorite things about that event was the winning photo that Andy took of him. It is uh, the man has a beautiful smile and it's oh, just does. a lovely photo. So. The lead photo, if you haven't seen it, FLWFishing.com. I would say at this point, just search for the Norman King or just search yep. for Brian Thrift, and you'll see just a oh, dandy of a photo. Um, anyhow, Kyle, you were on the water. You didn't follow Thrift, I don't think. Maybe maybe never, maybe only a little bit. But generally in this derby, what was your on-the-water impression? And uh, I guess you also filmed with Thrift, so you can tell us about that too. So oh, yeah, give me the, yeah. You know, give me the scoop. We did the I did the winning ways video with them, so I know all the all the juice on how to catch fish randomly across Norman. But randomly in quotation yeah, marks. <laughs> right. Uh but as a whole, uh Norman was pretty cool. I mean it, it's not that hard to catch fish, right? It's it's getting uh like a three pounder or a couple of them or a four pounder. You know, it's like a big bite. Because I don't know how many bags there were between like 
10 to 11 and a half pounds, but there are a lot of them. You know, there's, it's like two pound nationals on Norman. A lot of spotted bass. Uh, if you can find some largemouth, they tend to be a little better. But it was kind of, it seemed like guys could really catch them however they wanted. I mean, I saw guys catching them in brush piles out in, you know, 20, 25 feet of water. Guys catching them under docks that were kind of deep. And then you saw guys way up the river catching them in a foot and a half of water. You know, so it was kind of the whole gauntlet of things, which was, it was kind of interesting um, from a coverage standpoint because you never really had a dull moment uh, between catching fish and guys running around a lot. You know, it wasn't just a lot of soaking on one particular thing and waiting all day for them to bite, unless you were Luke Duncan, Wesley Strader, and you were fishing one of the hot holes. Yeah, that was, did you watch those guys fish at all? Oh, yeah. Um. What what were they doing in there? Because that, to me, is... I mean, first of all, the fact that it's like 10 million degrees is kind of a weird deal. <laughs> it's like bath water. It was, it was really, really interesting. But um, Luke Duncan, I guess, kind of sat in the most... Straighter dabbled in there from time to time. Um, so did... Uh, who else was in there? Well, I guess Strader was the only one out of the top 10 that made it. But there were some guys in the top 20. Uh, anyway. Uh, no, 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 no. Strader wasn't the only one on the top 10. Um, Michael oh, Stevens? Oh, yes. Yeah, Stevens no. was. He may not have made the top 10, though. So you might be. You're probably right no, on that. No, Stevens made the top 10. Now i got to look at it. Either way. Uh, there were a lot is, of little... there were some guys doing it. Shane LeHue caught fish out of those things, too. Right, out of a different hot hole. But the one the on the one... bottom of the lake. Yeah. Uh, who? Oh, Rodney Morrow. He was one of the other ones. He made the top 20. Who was fishing with Duncan in the upper hot hole. Um, but, yeah, like Thrift, I think, might have even dabbled in the hot hole for a little bit. Shane LeHue. Um, it's definitely like a lot of the local guys know about it. Uh, I think Scott Beatty got second. He might have caught a fish or two out of it. Um, a lot of little swim baits, though. There's tons of dying dead shad. Uh, I shouldn't say dying. Well, there's a lot of bait in there in general, but there's a lot of dead ones, and they're not that big. So a lot of little kitex, uh, drop shots, uh, little gunfish, um, and other kind of topwaters like that, little pop, tiny pop ours. Um, I mean, you could you could pretty much catch them wherever. It was pretty nuts. The, the one day I sat in uh, the upper hot hole for probably an hour, and as I trolling motored in, the graph was just lit up. I mean, there's bait, there's fish everywhere. And I wound up, I power pulled down on the side of it in like a foot of water. So I wasn't in anyone's way. But all you'd hear those guys talk about while they were fishing is just the volume, like the biomass of stuff that lived in that 96 degree water. It's really amazing. I mean, that's crazy. It is. Yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty sweet to pretty sweet to watch but it um back to kind of how guys caught them docks are obviously very prominent and uh very well known on norman and they shelled out a lot of fish this week i mean a lot of fish yeah which is what you get on norman yeah yeah so it was cool to see some guys you know skipping docks and doing that kind of thing and cracking out two and a half pound spotted bass for the most part, saw some largemouths. 
I got I got to run up the river a ways too, and it's kind of fun seeing Norman transform from a very uh, heavily populated body of water to a very remote um, river esque, or I mean, it is river, but very remote. There's like cattle on the banks and down trees everywhere, and it just looks really bassy. So it's kind of sweet to see the whole. Um, sort of options, the whole buffet board on, on Norman. I, uh, I like it. Yeah. Um, any other Norman notes? You think we're in pretty good shape on that front on that one? Uh, I think we're pretty good. Thrift did say, uh, a lot of what he was doing was random and I kind of get what he means by that because, uh, it was also cool to see thrift, um, like doing Brian thrift stuff like watching how he got to be Brian Thrift. And it, it makes sense because you could fish, uh, you know, there's there's certain docks the official set on, whether it's, um, there's a lot of dredged out things next to the docks. Yeah, from because uh, they put the docks in such shallow water, like up on a point, and then they, yeah, yeah. they got to let a big boat get in there or something. Right, so they dredge out these pockets for the docks. And so sometimes, like one day, he was catching them on dredge docks, but other days he was catching them on non-dredge docks. Sometimes it was docks with brush pile. So it's not they're not all created equal. And Thrift knew certain stretches that held or that he could probably get a bite on. Not necessarily they even held fish, but it was a pattern. Uh, but it changed from day to day. So he might fish four docks, you know, right next to takeoff down by the dam there. And then, you know, he might make a 10-minute run to fish two docks that were the same kind of thing. And then from there, you know, it might be a two minute run somewhere else. And it was just very, very Brian thrift, but there's like a method to his madness, despite, you know, him saying it's random and being the humble guy that he is. Uh, but it was, it was fun, especially doing that, the winter video with him and riding around and seeing kind of how his brain worked. And he got a bite on something that he hadn't caught fish on during the tournament. And he was like, Oh, I know a spot. We could probably go catch another one. And we pulled up there and boom, he caught one first cast. You yeah, know, and then he knows that lake, man. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So that was um, it's fun because I followed him a lot uh, uh, on other tour events that he's won, like on Sam Rayburn a couple of years ago, and on Ufala. And in those tournaments, I saw a lot of that same uh, kind of mental capacity of what he had at Norman, where he, something would click, and it was almost like he's a local on that lake because he'd be like, "Oh, I could run these next." two waypoints, you know, that are 30 miles down the lake and probably catch one. He'd pull up there and catch three pounder. Yeah. So that was, that was kind of cool to watch Brian thrift be Brian thrift. If that makes sense. No, I mean, that makes a ton of sense and it's cool. Watching him fish, uh, in practice when I went out with him, then you could see it then too. Cause he's got basically as many possible locations as he can think of in his head. And he'll be like, well, let me test this. And rolls up to one spot and makes like two casts and catches a good fish. And then he rolls up to another spot, the same thing, and makes like two casts and catches a good fish. And then he'll be like, all right, well, that's good. And he goes and in a tournament, he'd run like 10 more spots like that, you know? But yeah, in practice, yeah. he runs like two other things and all of a sudden he gets on one other thing and he's got like six little spots that he could run there. Like he's, it's really, yep. he, he pattern fishes obviously a lot, but. A lot of it is, I don't know, there's probably more, there might be like a little more spot action 
in thrifts fishing than I think people give him credit for. Yeah. They're just, I mean, he doesn't run just every single, when he runs a pattern, he really dials it down. Let's put it that Mm -hmm. way. And it's not, well, I'm running gravel points. It's, well, I'm running gravel points that have this and that and this and that. And they're in this section of the lake and I've got waypoints on all of them already because I knew something about them. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, exactly it. I don't know. He, he's just an incredible fisherman. It's, it's amazing to see. It is. The other cool thing I thought from Norman as a whole, before we maybe move on, um, obviously the invitational, you have tour guys, you have series guys, uh, we had BFL guys. And it was interesting that despite the amount of locals that were in on the tournament, um, I mean, you could count thrift, but a lot of tour guys in the top 10. Mostly tour guys, I should say. Um, other than Scott Beatty, I was rooting for him because uh, that would have been a cool story. Uh, first time I got to meet him, super nice guy. Super nice guy. His wife did ask me if I was Mark Zona. And um, you said I had yes. To, I, had, I had to break her heart and say, no, I am, I am not Zona. Oh. And you. Probably see. I feel like you could try and get away with that. You could just say something northerny and uh, just talk about smallmouths for a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you should try that sometime. If All right. Happens, well, if it happens again, I want you to roll with it. I, I doubt it will, but I'm gonna I'm gonna consider it. Okay. I I guess I was flattered. I mean, he's kind of a weird dude. Yeah. <laughs> Not that you and I aren't a little bit weird, but he's, <laughs> you gotta uh, be. <laughs> he's a little out. He's he's his own special breed. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, I got sidetracked. Oh yeah, let me let me just throw names at you from the top ten for those of you that may not have followed the Invitational, and I feel bad that you didn't because FLWFishing.com was definitely the place to be. Uh, Thrift won it, obviously. Third place, Wesley Strader. We got us a Todd Hollowell, highest finish of his. Uh, tour career in fourth. Then we had Michael Neal, Billy Shelton, Scott Canterbury, Tracy Adams, Michael Stevens, local dude, super cool. And then, oh, 10th place? I don't know if you've heard of this guy, uh, but John Cox, also a dude. Is he the other John Cox, or is he the John Cox that won the Forestwood Cup? The Forestwood Cup Cup champion, (laughs) Johnny Cox. Oh, baby. Yeah, so... Pretty uh, pretty stout competition there. I like it. Yeah, big time. I mean, there's the tour pros that fish this event really did show out. I mean, they're oh man, they're really. I mean, honestly, I don't know that there was a tour pro that had a bad tournament. You know, really, when you get down to it, like yeah, they pretty much all caught them, and that uh, that kind of. I mean, look, these guys are the best in the world. It's not a surprise they would catch them, but it's kind of. It's kind of nice to see you give a guy a couple days, you know, a three-day tur- a You give him a three-day tournament or a two-day tournament for some of these guys, and mm-hmm. the tour pros really can separate themselves. Oh, man. Um, that's for sure. I think this was Michael Neal. Well, Michael Neal came down in, pre- in pre-practice, but I think, you know, for him and for... Uh, uh, but, uh, for Luke Duncan, I think it was the first time they'd ever... Seen the lake? Yeah, I think it might you're right. have been the same for Joseph Webster, by the way, who is fishing as a tour pro and has now made. Well, I don't know if he's fished anything in between, but he made the cut at the Forestwood Cup and he made the cut. 
here. So, Joseph yeah, he Webster, fifteenth. Yeah, I'm loving it. Um, you could probably count him as a tour pro if you wanted to, considering we got him on board next year. He's the living the dream pro. Oh heck yeah, yeah. If you go into the top twenty, it's mostly tour pros as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, a little bit disappointed by Shane LeHue's performance. I know he lost some quality fish, uh, but I was I was hoping for more. I just I wanted to see it. I did too. Alas. Anyhow, you ready to uh, talk a little Fort Gibson here? Oh, yeah. Let's do so. All right. So it is the uh, final event of the Costa FLW Series Southwestern Division. It's uh, this week on Fort Gibson. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, Fort Gibson, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's on a river. I guess the water is a little bit high right now it's a largemouth lake it's in oklahoma i've never been there i don't know a whole ton about it but from what i can tell you can kind of do a little bit of everything there mm-hmm. um like you could fish offshore ish like brush or something like that you could do a lot of junk fishing you could you know maybe flip the whole time you could run up a river um I don't know. It seems that it seems to me that it's going to be an interesting tournament from a you know from a technique perspective. It's not going to be like Grand Lake this year, where like basically everyone except Zach Burge was throwing a jig and dragging it really slowly around the bank. It's going to be probably ten guys, might be ten guys doing ten different things. Yeah, um, I think anyhow. I I'm not sure. I'm partly I'm reading it from our preview. Partly, I'm just going with off the slight amount that I know mm-hmm. from it. Um, do you know anything about this lake in particular, or uh, no, not really, uh, not not anything that uh, I couldn't add. You already stated. Okay, well, it sounds like we are uh, basically experts on it. <laughs> we are, yeah. If you guys want to know anything about Fort Gibson, just go on ahead and email Jody and I, and we'll tell you all the nitty gritty. Yeah, we've got spots on it, waypoints for days. Oh yeah, yeah. Quick, <laughs> I'll just have to Google some stuff quick, and I'll be I'll be a book of knowledge. Yeah. Um, going into the final event, we have a pretty extreme AOI race going on. Um, Russell Cecil is leading with four hundred and eighty-five points. Right behind him, four hundred and eighty-three points. Chris McCall. Ooh. Um, then Jeffrey Randolph has 469 points he's in third so there's a pretty i mean there's a decent gap um but regardless uh looks like you know russell cecil chris mccall probably taking this thing down to the wire would be my guess i like it two hammers oh big time that is for sure um other than other than that i I think maybe maybe we just uh pick some dudes here because we can do a uh, costa challenge final oh yeah yeah, I, 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 I could be down for that. All right. Well, whenever I... Uh, there's my document. Nope, that's not my document. Where'd it go? I had it up. Um, <laughs> anyhow, I know that we are tied 5-5, and I believe you've got first pick. Oh, man. So This, this is a tough one. I, I feel like we mentioned that a lot um, because some of these events... The field is so stacked, well, and this is kind of one. This is not one where you're going to say, well, I'm going to pick the Johnston brothers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This <laughs> it's not that easy, unfortunately. No, it is not. Um, 
I do, however, think for my first pick, uh, I'm going to take a local hammer. I'm going to go with Brandon Mosley. Okay. I like his track record on the lake. Other than that, don't really know anything about him, but I'm all about track records. All right. I am uh, going to start and take Bradley Hallman. Um, oh, yeah. Bradley Hallman, uh, the man, he is passionate about defending the border. <laughs> and let me tell you, fact I learned recently, Fort Gibson is inside Oklahoma. I think you yes, can expect him to defend the border. I, I like it. Um, also, he's just real good. Definitely. I had him on my list. Yeah. So go go ahead, Kyle. Uh, well, here. you you gave a good lead in there with the uh, Angler of the Year race. I'm going to take me some Chris McCall. All righty. I like it. You're, you're figuring he catches them and sort of cinches this thing down, just goes for it, comes from behind. Yeah, yeah he's got some experience on, on Gibson. He's had some some decent finishes, and he's just an all-around hammer. And I think with that Angler of the Year carrot kind of right in front of him, uh, he could. I could see him doing some big things this week. So I like his odds of a of a good finish. All right, I am going to take um, a man who basically never has a bad tournament. <laughs> I can't believe he lasted this long. I'm going to take Greg Hanselman. I know. <laughs> uh, he is Mister Costa FLW Series. Yeah. Um, if you don't know who Ray Hanselman is by now, there's no hope for you. So. Anyhow, <laughs> Ray Hanselman is my man. I'm sorry. I assumed you were going to take him, and I was—I even penciled in like a local as my second pick, and I was like, gosh, I can't do this to myself. Yeah. Give me Ray Hanselman. <laughs> well, and here's the thing. There's like there's so many good Texas dudes that it's, I don't know, it's, just, it's hard. Yeah, no, I mean, just this, the Southwestern Division has – a pile of good fishermen in it. It really does. It doesn't run the biggest field sizes in the world, but it's got some of the stoutest competition. Oh, by for far, sure. I, in my opinion. Um. Okay. So I guess that that that's my last pick now, right? Or I yeah. get to make the last pick. You get to make well, uh make the last one here. I I was a little torn about it, but I think because he's still on the table, I'm going to take him. Uh, especially since the lake is on the border of Texas, Oklahoma, and he kind of crushes everything in Texas. I'm taking me some Todd Castledine. Oh, baby. I, uh, I support that pick, as you, and the one, as you knew the I one, would. Yeah, the cool thing about Castledine, on a side note, is I think we always talk about him and how, how, good, how good, he, good he is, which is you know, arguably not arguable. Uh, I think that made sense. Anyway... But he also, he's had a lot of good finishes on, like, random bodies of water outside of Texas. You know, like, he's one of those guys you could tell he's legitimately a good stick. I feel like there's a lot of Texas guys that are good in Texas, but then you take them out of Texas, and it's kind of like, eh. But I'd take them 10 times out of 10 on any Texas lake. But you put them on, like, a Kentucky lake where Castledine has a top 10, and you just see them drowned. You know, be bad. So I like Todd Castledine. That's my Todd Castledine rant for this week. All right. Well, that's a good Todd Castledine rant. rant. Um, I definitely, well, I agree. Todd Castledine is good. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I would expect 
that if I saw... I guess I would expect Todd Castledine, if he fished the tour, I would expect him to make the Forestwood Cup almost every year, if not every year. That's how good yeah. I think he is. Yeah. Um, and I don't care where he's fishing. We could never go to mm-hmm. Texas, and I'd be like, hey, give me Todd Castledine. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I will go with my final pick. Um, gosh. I've got a group of uh, three different locals here who I've written down, and... Well, I'm going to go... I will just try it out here. I'm going to take Chad Warren. Um, Ooh. Bass Rankings has him really high up in the uh, rankings for Fort Gibson. And he's coming off a top 10 at Grand Lake. And I say coming off. It was this spring. But, you know, we'll, we'll, give, uh, we'll give old Chad Warren a, uh, a try here. I like it. So, that's my that's my crew. Well, there you have it beautiful great work man as always yeah now we'll now we'll see we'll break this tie and then we've got uh just two more after this event so it's uh down to the wire i would say um i guess our next piece of news the uh, walmart flw tour rules were released this week um really to be honest there's nothing interesting in them i would say <laughs> uh i mean there are the rules there we didn't change we didn't make any dramatic changes we've got seven tournaments next year uh plus the cup it's gonna be a blast and uh we made one uh, the one i guess the one change that we did make was the the way the pay the way the entry is structured you're in it pros end up paying more up front so Instead of the deposits and the actual final payment being as evenly divided, now the deposits, I think, are a little bit bigger. Yeah. And the point of that, I guess, is, like, mostly, it's not to charge the pros more, because they're going to end up paying the same amount or, and winning the same amount, but it's to, essentially, it's to try and discourage people from getting in the tournament, the getting in the tour, and then deciding, well, I fished, uh fish three tournaments doing pretty bad i'm gonna drop out it's right it's basically the well it's if you want to drop out great but your loss is going to be bigger um, yes which seems to me to be a very defensible thing to do mm-hmm. um also uh the rod length limit remained unchanged it is still <laughs> infinity so <laughs> you got that going <laughs> yeah um we don't have rules about rod length, so expect to see a lot of guys using rods between, let's say, six and a half and eight feet. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty uh, pretty thrilling stuff. Yeah, really, really big big time news there. Um, <laughs> I guess the next uh, the next thing, and this is probably what concerns you know most actual. If if there are listeners who are concerned about this. It, well, more people who are listening probably are actually concerned about this than about the tour, as far as rules and entry dates go. But uh, today, today being uh, Tuesday, we released the Costa FLW Series info and rules and all that jazz for mm-hmm. uh, for next year. The uh, entry fees and all that are unchanged. So, uh, sixteen hundred for pros, five hundred and fifty for co anglers per per derby. Still huge payouts 
like we uh, like we have. I think this year we had some of the biggest numbers as far as just total anglers we've ever had fishing the Coast FLW Series. So it should be another really good year. Um, r- registration is open like right now as you are listening. If you finished in the top 40 in any division this year, uh, co-angler or boater side, and uh, it's also also for the top 50 co-anglers and boaters from each division of the BFLs. Uh, and that'll be open till November 28th, and then it's Ranger boat owners and sponsor entries on the 29th, TBF members on the 30th, and then, you know, everyone on December 1st. So if you want to fish the Coast FLW Series and you didn't fish it this year, uh, or you didn't fish BFLs this year, Right around the beginning of December is when you want to start looking at the calendar, make, making sure you're ready to go here and uh, get entered up. Because, I mean, as we've discussed, pretty darn good schedule next year. Oh, yeah. Especially that Northern Division. I'm telling you guys, you should fish that Northern <laughs> Division. Get in on it. It is, whoo, it's prime. <laughs> oh, gosh, Champlain and the Thousand Islands in one year. Can you believe Ooh. that? That's going to be so epic. That's too much to handle. I'm telling you, man, it's a lot to handle, that's for sure. I don't know if it's too much. I'm telling you, <laughs> well, it's, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. Jazz. It's it's going to be awesome. <laughs> um, I, I guess one other piece of news before we get into the BFLs. and Or do you have any notes on these last two pieces of news, Kyle? No, man, you crushed it. Okay. Uh, there, we had a college fishing event on uh, Chickamauga. Uh, Bryan College won it. It was in the Southeastern Conference. The anglers were Cole Sands and Connor Coran. Uh, they weighed 16 pounds, 3 ounces for the one-day event, qualified for the national championship. Uh, they caught the fire out of them. Like, awesome numbers. I, I guess about 35 bit, 35 fish or so. They were catching them mostly on a jig and a swim bait. And Bryan College, if you don't know, it's like the one that is, it's where Michael Neal went to school. It's like on Chickamauga. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, they were fishing like, basically, they fished not in the grass, but right on the edges of the grass. So like they'd have a little area where, you know, maybe there was some low grass or something and the fish would be on it and they hadn't moved back into all the grass mats yet because there's a ton of grass mats on the lake right now, but they were real close and actually schooled up and, uh. They were uh, whacking them, and supposedly they say their most productive stretches were from Soddy Creek to Chester Frost. I know right where Chester Frost is. I don't know where Soddy Creek is, but somewhere down on that lower end of the lake, let's say. Yeah. And uh, there you have it. Uh, USC, University of South Carolina, duo of Patrick Walters and Geddes Brannon finished second by uh, an ounce, so they almost won. They have triple qualified now. For the 2017 or 2018 College Fishing National Championship. Well, no, 2017 College Fishing National Championship. Yeah, 17. Sorry. Yeah, I'm, I saw 2017 in the story, and then I was like, oh, well, it's next year, so I better add a year, but really next year is 2017. Yes. Um, But, yeah, from what I can tell, it seems like, you know, the fishing was pretty solid, and there were a ton of boats in this. There were 203 boats. Dang. So, yeah. That's a lot of boats. Yeah, it is. But hey, it's Chickamauga. <laughs> I mean, why not go and try, try and catch a ten pounder, right? Hey, yeah, you don't. You don't got to argue with me. No, I'm down for that. That's for sure. 
Uh, but anyhow, I think that pretty much concludes my news-related portion. Yeah. So okay. Kyle, we got some BFLs. Yeah, we had uh, we had four super tournaments over the weekend. Uh, we'll kick it off with the most badass one of the weekend, the Thousand Islands. Oh, I thought you were going to say the Ohio River. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why there was a the hold for pause uh, so people can make assumptions. Uh, Northeast Division Super Tournament, Thousand Islands. Uh, Two-day event, Tom Tarasoff from Kingston, Ontario, won that one. 44 pounds and four ounces over two days. Um, you and I talked before this and kind of surprised the weight wasn't a little higher. But, I mean, that's still over – well, he got 19-1 on the second day. Which so, means he caught tw- like 25 pounds on the first day. Pretty stout. Pretty good. It did get really... So the second day would have been Saturday. I'm going to just... Based on my knowledge of it, Friday would have been possibly some really interesting weather. Saturday would have probably been some really cold weather. If it's anything like what it was in Vermont. So... Sure. You know, maybe it's not because obviously there are different places. But that may have played a factor. Well, uh, we didn't, uh, our PR guys who who make these things didn't get a chance to talk to Tom, but reports say he fished some humps, flats, and drops with a tube near Wolf Island, which, uh, pretty sweet place to be if you're fishing up there. Uh, few people to note, Curtis Richardson finished fourth, tour pro, and, uh, Scott Dobson, who won the Thousand Islands series event back in July, Man, it was, it was a while ago. He I finished ninth. All righty. So Scott also, Thompson, Thousand Islands expert. Oh, Curtis yeah. Richardson officially. is due for even some even better finishes on the Thousand Islands. He fishes up there a lot. Like, yeah, he does. That should be his deal. One reason the uh, Johnstons were not fishing that event, which you think, well, hey, why didn't one of them win? Well, <laughs> there's like a big team tournament going on that same weekend in Canada. So yeah. they were otherwise occupied. Yeah, they had other bigger fish to fry. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, fish to fry. I don't want to say bigger. Uh, yeah. Thousand Islands is pretty sweet. They got big fish there, too. It is pretty sweet. But Canada's pretty sweet in general. That's that's the case. No doubt about <laughs> it. Uh, another super tournament we had was the Choo Choo Division, which is on Gunnersville. Uh, Gil Summerlin won that bad boy. Uh, two-day total weight, 38 pounds, 14 ounces. Uh, pretty stacked field in that one too. And big time stacked. Yeah, he um, he's fishing some shell beds with some depressions. Sorry to cut you off. I was just kind of rolling on it. Um, and yeah, it was like 12, 14 feet deep, six XD, and a football jig was the deal. And didn't catch like a ton of fish, but they apparently were all pretty good size. Yep. Now uh, on the yeah on the stackedness of it, I mean you had, I guess you had a tour pro, you had an elite series pro, and then you had a former tour pro, all in the top ten. So oh yeah, there's your there's your stackedness, and that being, uh, Alex Davis, Matt Lee, Casey Martin. Mm-hmm. Casey Martin, yeah. by the way, wrapped up AOI for that division. He did. So props to you, Casey. Uh, also, Alex Davis got back. He spent the week or a few days last week 
up in Michigan, I think. Yeah, Smallmouth Mission, right? Yeah, I wish. <laughs> he was with he was with Zona, actual Zona. Oh, uh, not, catching not hard smallmouths. <laughs> flew back home Friday and then was like, "Hey, I'm gonna fish this super tournament," and got third. So he's pretty good. He also does guide there, so yeah. I mean, he should be able to catch some fish. Yeah, that's kind of his deal there. Yeah, I figure, like, he launches the boat, you drink, like, 10 Mountain Dews before you take off, your mind's racing, you're all jittery, you kind of, you can eliminate some waypoints ahead of time and just go fish. It's probably what he did. I, I bet that's what he did. I, I tell you what, just <laughs> every time he, every time I think about the locals we've got for the Gunnersville Derby coming up this mm-hmm. year for the tour event, oh, oh my man. gosh. We're going to see so many giants. It's going to be sweet. I mean, dude, it's from the guys in the, I mean, from Alex Davis to Jake Hendrick to, I mean, just there's a pile of guys from around there who are awesome there. It's going to be a slugfest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, continue. Uh, yeah, number three in our super tournament lineup is the South Carolina Division event on Lake Wiley. Uh, Tom Rubo? Rubo? I'm going Rubo. Won that bad boy. Uh, 24 pounds, 14 ounces for two days. Uh, he was fishing basically like backs of creeks that had a bunch of bait fish in them. Uh, he had like a hand, six or something creeks on the lower end of the lake. Uh, they just kind of rotated through, through a lucky strike uh, crankbait. Didn't specify which one, but it was a lucky strike crankbait. Uh, and that's pretty much how we caught his fish. There were like apparently a couple schools of fish and a ton of bait around so that he just kind of hit those, move on to the next one. Um, Brian New finished third, co-angler of the year on the tour, also just co-angler hammer in general. Uh, and I think he had a Facebook post. Did you see that? It was something to the extent of in the last couple of years on the super tournaments for the South Carolina division, He's finished like fourth, third, and third in them, or fourth something and something. Man needs to seal the deal. I know. Figure it out, Brian New. Yeah, geez, come on. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, uh, what was I doing? Oh, yeah, there was one more. The last super tournament, uh, which is actually kind of a good preview for an upcoming series event we have, uh, was the Ozark Division event on Lake of the Ozarks. Ed Young won that one, 20 pounds and 12 ounces. Uh, that okay. event was presented by Mencota, uh, for all you curious. Or, sorry, he caught 20 pounds, 12 ounces on the final day. His total weight for winning over the course of two days was 37.13. I read that good. <laughs> Yeah, not bad. It was actually a pretty stacked uh, top 10 in terms of weights, or at least the top three. Um, but uh, Ed... Caught him uh, on a River to Sea Whopper Plopper. He caught him on a Zoom Mag Trick Worm and a Zoom uh, Ribbon Tail Worm. I guess that's like, they call it, don't they call it like the U Tail or something? Um, whatever, the Zoom Worm uh, on Shaky Heads. He fished around, uh, fished around some docks, fished around. Main Lake Points. Um, I don't know. The dude sounded like he was pretty dialed in on 
what he had going for him. But uh, pretty shallow was basically the gist of where he was catching him. So props to him. On the note about the weights being close, he won with 37-13. Uh, Jeffrey Smith got second with 37-5. Uh, Charlie Bogard, 37-3. And then Andy Newcomb, 36-5. So, I mean, it was pretty, pretty good fishing all across the board. Uh, in case you're curious, Dennis Burhorst, uh, Ozark Division Super Hammer, got seventh. Normally wins most of the time. Also, fifth place was Dion Hibden. And that's about all, right. all I got. I like it. Well, that's about. I guess that's about all I got too. Have you had anything interesting happening, or do you want to talk about anything else, or shall we? Well, I mean, you are the guy that's been doing all the cool stuff. Okay, I have been doing some cool stuff. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, so let's see. I guess we'll just like run down through it, right? Yeah, pre- um, preach it to me. So I went up and I fished the Northern Open on the boater side on Champlain after Norman, which, Kyle, I'm forever indebted to you for uh, d- working and going out fishing with Brian Thrift the next day. Uh, hey, it's part of the job, man. And... Uh, <laughs> letting me instead drive through the night to get to my favorite lake in the world. Um, but anyhow, so I fished that. Did not do very good. Um, I think I caught, well, I guess I'll go, I don't know if I can find out. I think I finished in the 60s. I think I finished in the 60s, maybe 64th or 67th, something like that. But could, well, would have liked to have done better. But, you know, it is what it is. Um it was a fun time. I mean, I enjoyed it. I would have liked to have more practice time. Because, um, like, from what I could tell, a lot of guys caught him in the Inland Sea. And Brian Schmidt, by the way, our boy Brian Schmidt won it, but isn't going to the Classic, which is a disappointment. Are you still there? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, um, I thought I hit my mute button and I was panicking for a second. <laughs> yeah. I didn't hit it, though. It's, it is a, it's a bummer about Schmidt, but... Anyhow, I'm glad he won. He's glad he won. Heck that's, yeah. That's like six AAA level events he's won now as a sort of side note, I think. so. He's so good. Yeah, really good. Uh, but anyhow, so I went up and I fished down at Ty a little bit on the first day of practice and kind of ditched that. And then I went up to the north end and I don't really have a whole lot of experience on the north end of the lake. I have a lot of experience on Lake Champlain, but... It's kind of, to say you have a lot of experience on Lake Champlain is, it's worth something, but (laughs) if they're not in the part of the lake that you know, and you don't know the entire lake, which it's almost impossible to do, then it's worth less, I would say. Right. If that makes sense. Uh, So I kind of went up and I knew some stuff about the North End, but I had to learn some stuff about the North End, and I just didn't have a good practice. I had... I. Could have, I could have told you, I could have told you and been honest about it that my practice wasn't good. And I wouldn't have told you that guys weren't catching fish or that it was tough. I would have said, I mean, they're going to catch them at Champlain. It's awesome. Guys are going to whack them, but it's not going to be me. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I don't want to be, I don't want to be the, I don't want to be the guy. We all are, all our guys always sandbag prior to tournaments. And I want to say I was not sandbagging. I told you I wasn't going to do good. And then you look at the results and oh, didn't do good. Um, but anyway, I ended up, I think I caught like on the first day, I think I caught one 
small mouth, one large mouth and four small mouth. And on the second day, I think I weighed two small mouth and three large mouth. So pretty classic Champlain uh, mix up. Um, did run into some mechanical troubles on the second day, which cost me like two or three hours, but I ended up catching a bigger bag because I got kind of ridiculously lucky. <laughs> um, hey, get, but that's okay. I get that, you know, I get that breaking down is pretty bad luck, but I caught like a five pound smallmouth almost and like a five pound largemouth almost. And you catch two fish that big on Champlain, also broke off like a five pound smallmouth. I mean, it was huge. So maybe that's really bad luck. But anyhow, when you end up landing two fish of that caliber on Champlain and you don't have any big ones, any other good ones to go with them, there's some luck involved there. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. that's that's a fact. Uh, but it was a good experience, and I'm looking forward to the next one. I don't know when that next one will be, but it was fun. And yeah, I've never, cool. I've never fished a tournament of that size before from the front of the boat. Um, and it was a much different experience than fishing it as a co-angler. And having fished a few now as a co-angler, I'm still going to, I, I, I'm just not going to allow any co- any co-angler to complain to me about being a co-angler. It's <laughs> like the easiest, greatest thing in the world. Big <laughs> fan of being a co-angler. Um, that's my, that's my opinion on it. Maybe if, if you do want to complain to me, please do. I, by all means, I'm open to it. But <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you're open to hear it. I'm, I'm open to hear it. I'm just going to probably very much disagree. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but anyhow, so it was, it was cool and it was a good time. And then after that, um, I went to, uh, you, Hey, do you want to know what I caught them on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's see. I caught some fish, uh, flipping a pit boss. Uh, black and blue one on a one ounce weight and i caught some fish on a uh, sb 125 which is uh evergreens big walking top water lost some big fish on that too <sighs> thanks small mouth oh, um, crazy and i caught a couple on a carolina rigged biffle bug um Ooh. and i lost a couple on a chatterbait and I think that's pretty much the gamut of what I was what I was chucking around. Nice. I probably weighed in one or two on a drop shot too, to be honest. And I think I weighed in one. Well, maybe not one or two on a drop shot, but I think I at least had one in the box. Maybe weighed one in on a drop shot at some point in time. And I definitely weighed one in on a uh, Kitek, just straight up. Oh, okay. Most of the weight came on the Carolina rig and the. Uh, Top water and uh, flipping. So that's the uh, that's what that there there you have it. I dig it. Uh, but anyhow, so after that, I went uh, back. I went home. Uh, went saw my sister, visited her at school, came back, fished in the morning on Bombazine with Dad through that top water. Just lit them up. I mean, crushed them. Had like probably, I think I had like seven smallmouth six or seven smallmouth over three pounds hit it to start the day landed all but one of them which nice that could have happened in the tournament you know i'm just saying if it wanted to <laughs> wouldn't have been mad <laughs> um dad caught like a five pounder on on a top water on a spook so it was pretty epic um and then it got kind of tough for a while but we caught still caught fish but the morning was just whoo baby it was on um 
And then after that, I went and fished with Sean Ostruska up at uh, good old Lake Champlain, because he'd never been there before. He wanted to see it. I like to brag on my favorite lake in the world. So Heck yeah. I took Sean and Jen, his wife, out, and it was rolling like five-footers and blowing out of the north. I mean, it was terrible. Uh, but I fished for a couple, like an hour or so, went back, picked him up at the ramp. I've been saving a spot. I'm like, this, guys, this is the closest thing I've got to a guaranteed fish. We're going to run out into the – we're going to have to get into the waves a little bit, but it's not going to be too bad. We got out there. Uh, Jen caught one on, like, her first cast. Uh, J- Sean caught, like, a 4-5 right after that. I caught a couple three-pounders. Sean caught another three-pounder. Like, we caught them pretty good. And I was – of course, they always bite better after the tournament. But I was thinking oh, sure. to myself, man, I, 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 I rode off – uh, one part of the lake because it could be too rough it was a little ways away and even though it's one of the parts i know best i was like i just don't think there are ever going to be consistent 19 20 pound bags there which still don't think there are going to be like i don't think you're winning out of that part of the lake that said I'll tell you what that day that half a you know that couple hours there i was like man mm-hmm. i could have gone down here real easy and probably caught 17 a day and <laughs> 17 a day would have meant a big difference over 15 a day so oh yeah that's well it is what it is um and i don't know if i even if i could have been guaranteed 17 a day i still don't even know if i would have done that like if i could have just written in 17 a day like i guess maybe if it made if that made the top 12 i would have but it probably took more than that to make the top 12 and well you you know you got to go for the gusto right yeah you do anyhow so had a blast drove obviously next day drove back and then a little bit on monday drove back because it's a long drive to kentucky but it was good to be <laughs> home it was good it was cold there was a little bit of frost sunday morning when i was leaving yeah, vermont crazy. which was like whoa crazy crazy i was very surprised by that but it was a it was a good time man well cool so you won't be back up there till you can go up there like thanksgiving yeah i'll go up i'll go up for thanksgiving and christmas and Dad has promised to keep the boat out until Thanksgiving, and I'm trying to make him promise to keep the boat out through Christmas, but he says that one's going to be weather-depending. Ah. Because, uh, <laughs> I, gosh, last year, I mean, hey, if you were listening, you know, and you know, uh, but, man, last year, that mild winter we had, oh, baby. I mean, we caught, like, 22 pounds. We caught over 20 pounds of smallmouth the day after Christmas. It That's was awesome. ridiculous. I mean, the fishing was awesome that year. So hopefully that happens again. Although, here's what we really need. We need snow because Champlain is way low. Like, honestly, if as soon as I leave from Christmas, if there could just be instantly like six feet of snow on the ground everywhere in Vermont (laughs) and New York, that would be great because I don't want it, but that lake needs it because it needs water. The south end is just really, really low. It's getting... That's what I heard. I mean, it's real low. There's all kinds of stuff that you knew it was there, but you never really knew what was there. And all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, check this out. So there's, and even the north end, there's little pieces of uh, hump and stuff exposed that I never even knew they ever came out of the water. Uh, so it's, it needs water. And Dang. hopefully we get it this winter in the form of a bunch of snow and then in the spring and some rain and it really fills up again. Because Champlain, I mean, it's a huge lake. It takes a lot of water to fill that thing up. Oh, yeah. And obviously it drains a big area, so it's going to get that water. But it's not like, uh, 
I don't know, it's not like any little lake around here where, or I say little lake, it's not like a lot of lakes that are smaller where, you know, you get a good rainstorm and it muddies up, the water comes up a little bit and you're good to go, you know, you gotta, mm-hmm. Champlain takes some sustained weather to fill up and whatnot because it's that big. Anyhow, hopefully we get that, I hope. Just after you're done fishing. Yeah, basically, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, or or even we could get it and it could just warm up enough and I could get out on the water and not have it be frozen, but there could still be a lot of snow or a lot of rain or something. Just oh, while yeah. I'm there, I want to be able to fish. Other times, you know, whatever. I got you. Um, you doing a little hunting tomorrow, I understand? Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to go try to get after some duck season. Our, our duck season's in, uh, in kind of full swing. We got some birds on a pond we want to try to shoot up before they start heading south and before I get kind of busy here in the next couple of weeks. So yeah, I'm going to go, we're going to try to shoot a few ducks. Cool. If I can. I don't know if we ever got a Sue's update, but what's our Sue's update? Is she, uh, she like full on hundred percent gung ho, uh, doing this thing or, well, or what's the deal? Yeah, she's gung ho. I'd say she's, uh, she's probably like 85%. Um, most of it now is just getting her, experience on some birds i mean she last year she did a little bit this year we're gonna i'm gonna try to get her out a lot more and uh really let her kind of come into her own but she's doing really good she's still pretty small but that's okay i like it a little dog yeah she always struck me as pretty small was she supposed to be that small or was it kind of a surprise that she was that small no she was uh she was never gonna be big her her mom was only like like 53 or four pounds, something like that. Did you not feed her enough? <laughs> no, I, f- I feed her enough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. She's just a small frame. She's a British lab. They, uh, the kennel I got her out of their dogs tend to run small. Well, British labs tend to run smaller anyway. I'm not a big fan of the huge, um, giant labs. And being that my dad's a veterinarian, I've seen way too many of them with, way too many issues when they start getting older so plus i don't need like a 80 90 pound lab it's too big yeah that's a lot of critter (laughs) it is (laughs) all right cool well i like it man well i next week i'm pretty sure we will be uh on and doing this thing i will be at the coast of series event at lake of the ozarks um and this weekend, I am leaving to go down to Texas for a Costa Media thing. Um, Sweet. And uh, I think I'm, I'm thinking I'm gonna probably stop and fish with Jeff Sprague on the way there. Uh, I don't know why you wouldn't. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it looks to me as though I, maybe I'll have some more interesting fishing-related stuff to report because uh, fishing with Sprague would involve Lake Fork probably. And then this Costa thing is going to involve, from what I understand, Sam Rayburn. Ooh. So I got to buy my Texas license and um, then uh, head on up to Lake of the Ozarks. So should be a good, busy week, but we will, I think, be able to find a way where we can squeeze in some podcasting and uh, we'll make it happen. Yeah, I think we, uh, we should. I know uh, Bergen and myself were talking about filming some videos um, to kind of load up so we can run them throughout this uh once the tournament season winds down but we were maybe actually going to head up to my cabin next week for like two days of just 
just filming early in the week. You should do that. And then uh, Thursday, I'm going to be out. I'm doing a fundraiser sporting clay shoot with the Minnesota Veterinary Foundation. And then Friday, I think Lambert is coming up. And we're going to film a couple shows catching smallmouths. So I'll probably be able to weasel in a time to podcast as well. Well, good. And if we don't make it work, then we're back uh, the week after or something like that for, you know, almost for positive. Yes. Um, yeah. I've heard, apparently we got 103 boats signed up for, or I say boats, anglers, si- pros signed up for the Invitational on Norris. So we're going to have a pretty good field there. Should oh, yeah. Be a fun time. Um, that's coming on up. And uh, I guess other than that, if you want to uh, follow us or FLW, uh, Kyle is on Instagram at Kyle Lumber. I'm on Instagram at Jody Blanco. We, uh, you can follow FLW at uh, Facebook, FLW Fishing for Instagram, for Twitter, FLWFishing.com. Of course, FLW Official on Snapchat. Um, FLW Fishing on YouTube, a lot of good stuff there. And uh, we got an email address, correct, Kyle? We, we absolutely do. Uh, right. If you have any questions, comments, concern, send them our way. Podcast at FLWFishing.com, and uh, we'll get to you. All righty. Well, that ought to do it, man. And with that, let us go out into the world and catch fish. Yes, please. I would Amen. like to catch fish. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's rock, man. See you. See you.